Hello and welcome to Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. Before I jump into the story today, I want to give a huge thank you to all my beta readers that uh, looked over the story for me, picked out in- some inconsistencies, all that stuff. It was the first time I've ever done a um, beta read, ever. So it was very, uh, very interesting and a good warm up to when I finally get my novels finished. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to hop right into The Strange Case of Sarah Fisher. The Strange Case of Sarah Fisher. March 10th, 2022. The body of Sarah Fisher was found by a group of boys exploring a bank of the Mosam River on the morning of February 5th, 2022. A body found in the river usually meant drowning but it was apparent to everyone who laid eyes on the corpse that this wasn't the case. Concerned friends had reported her missing six days prior. Sarah, age 19, had been at a party on Saturday night, just outside of the small town of Hopedale, Maine, when she had heard someone calling her name from the nearby woods. Her boyfriend, Jason Rittner, whom I managed to track down, tried his best to follow her but soon lost sight. To him, she seemed to vanish so quickly. It was as though she fell into a hole in the earth. Instead of a waterlogged corpse, the body looked as though it had been laid out in the sun for weeks. It was a dehydrated husk and looked like it couldn't have been in the water longer than a couple minutes when the boys found her. Her blue eyes were missing, with traces of bloody streaks where they had been extracted. The coroner thought it may have been achieved surgically. The finding of the body was only the beginning. There had been sightings in the days before Sarah disappeared of several cloaked figures stalking the woods outside of Hopedale. No one ever saw the figures moving. They were simply standing in the woods, facing those who spotted them, though no one ever saw their faces. Six people came forward after this, understanding that it may be helpful in solving the case, as all the incidents took place near where Sarah had been found. A janitor named Michael Wharton was out walking his dog the morning Sarah's remains were found. He said his dog Molly not only refused to go anywhere near the cloaked figure, which had seemed too tall to be human, but turned and bolted, nearly pulling Michael to the ground. Everyone who claimed to have seen the figures came down with what seemed like mild radiation sickness after the sightings. This was as minor as mild nausea and skin irritation. Once the boys found Sarah's body, no one had seen any signs of the cloak figures. The most detailed finding of the case came from that of a nine-year-old Aisha Thomaston, who still remains in a medically induced coma after the strange effects of her confrontation with one of the figures left her body ravaged by some unseen force. She had managed to give an explanation as to what she experienced right before her body began to shut down. Despite the seriousness of her condition, she's expected to recover. She had been playing in the woods alone that day, as she usually did, when she saw Sarah standing amongst the trees, near the river where the boys would eventually find her just hours later. This Sarah wasn't a dehydrated corpse but fully formed, though Aisha said her eyes were missing at the time. She was jabbering, whimpering in some unknown language, or gibberish that Aisha couldn't understand, before she began levitating and screaming. 
Several flashes of light exploded all around the woods surrounding Sarah, and that was when Aisha had turned to run. She brushed right past one of the cloaked figures as it somehow snuck up behind her. Aisha said she stole the briefest look at the face of someone who was unimaginably tall and silent. She saw a face, but it wasn't human. A long hook protrusion she took for nose fell below the gaping maw full of sharp teeth. The skin was gray and filmy. She didn't see any eyes, but instead saw glowing orbs in the shadow of the hood where the eyes should have been. A scaly clawed hand snatched for her, but she managed to get away and run back home unharmed. The paramedic on the scene found that her jacket, which the creature had snagged a hold of only for a moment, had three claw marks from where the nails had sliced through. The slices were edged with scorch marks, as if the nails were tipped with fire. The final most distressing fact of all this I've discovered is that the body of Sarah Fisher underwent a full autopsy, stored in one of the refrigerated vaults awaiting a series of toxicology tests, was awaiting another examination from a mysterious specialist from the FBI. Before they arrived, however, the body went missing. CCTV cameras were analyzed, and what they found had been disclosed only to a very few people. The door to the vault swung open on its own, and the body of Sarah Fisher climbed out. The movements were jerky, reminiscent of stop-motion animation. The dehydrated corpse crept out of the morgue through a fire escape and vanished into the night. No one has been able to find the body, so it seems for the time being, whatever strange event has happened in the small town has ended. I have one more piece of information to add to this story. It is something that, though it is on record and overwhelmingly like the case of Sarah Fisher, it has been covered up somehow. Back in June of 1958, there was another disappearance. The circumstances were the same, though documentation on this case has been discovered via journal entries from long-dead doctors and detectives. One detective in particular, Tom Hanscom, delved into this cold case until his own eventual disappearance in November of 1963. He was never found, and the body of the victim, 23-year-old Harmony Bishop, vanished from the same morgue after her body was found six miles away from the spot where Sarah's body would eventually be found. Sarah never left behind a journal, just a series of social media posts, the last one simply being a photo of her and her boyfriend at a nearby restaurant. Harmony, however, left behind a journal that I managed to find, and the last few entries sounded like something out of a Lovecraftian horror story. She had awoken on several occasions outside in the woods behind her home, her nightgown torn, and she was bleeding from several cuts and abrasions. This was a week before her disappearance. Harmony said from that day on she was experiencing seeing some other side of the world, revealing that her eyesight would become grayscale like an old black and white motion picture, and she'd see something writhing in the sky, reminding her of ground hamburger with tentacles and claws. It would only come in brief flashes, but she could make out a great mouthful of jagged yellow teeth and see many tall cloaked figures standing in the woods. Some bore jagged horns, some did not. She never saw their faces, and the brief flashes would be just that. There one instant and gone the next. The world writing itself back to full color and vibrancy. Her last entry revealed that she had awoken from a terrible nightmare where these creatures were standing over her, offering her to the entity in the sky. 
seeing the tentacles drawing down to receive her from a stone plinth on a mountain. Flashes of light and horrible screams filled the smoke-choked air as they lifted her toward the floating monstrosity. Could Sarah have seen the same nightmares? If she did, she kept them to herself. This story, unfortunately, has no conclusion, much as many cold cases, but it is one that I found just as interesting as it is terrifying. Where could the body of Sarah Fisher be now? Who was this mysterious specialist from the FBI? So many questions and no answers. I must remember to keep this case at an arm's length, for I find this story endlessly fascinating. The fate of Detective Hanscom, who went utterly mad before vanishing into the woods all those years ago, is something I can't ignore. Perhaps one day we'll have answers, but a part of me fears what those answers might mean. Not only for a small town in Maine, but for the fate of the entire world. From the notes of Darren Cawthorn, investigative journalist for the Liminal Inquirer, missing since April 30th, 2022. Another short one, which is by design. I'm still trying to get back into the swing of things here. Um, this one, um, I will say, just a little author note at the end here, I will be expanding upon this story in the future. So if you felt like, as some of my beta readers pointed out, <clears throat> it is almost too open-ended and it's definitely going to be going somewhere else later. So I will have other stories, longer ones, that will be expanding upon certain characters and everything. So uh, the ghost story I have tonight is, eh, it could be something just seen out of the corner of my eye, but it does, it's kind of weird that it happened at this particular spot. Um, I was driving home, my partner and I were in the car driving, and um pull up to a segment of road where there's a crosswalk and I see someone just walking out in the middle of the road. I swerve slightly. It's not like a full on jerk the wheel or anything, but it was kind of like, Oh my God. And I kind of hit the brakes and kind of made to move to get out of the way of, to avoid hitting somebody who I saw and the split moment later, I realize there's no one there. My partner's looking at me like, what the hell? You know, asking <laughs> me like, what the hell did you do that for? And I said, I saw someone walking across the road at this particular crosswalk. And I just continue on and just kind of, you know, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, whatever. Drive a little bit past there. And then I realized that it was probably a few months ago that someone was hit and killed at that spot. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, I mean, it very well could have been just seeing something out of the corner of my eye. That's, you know, that's the logical explanation, but there is that little bit there where it's like, oh shit. Few things before I leave. Um, just want to remind everyone that my short story collection is still available on Kindle. One more thing, I'm going to be doing submitted ghost stories episodes in the future. So if you have a ghost story and you want to submit it, 
um, let me know. Uh, you can send me a message through my website or through Instagram, actually, or two of the best places to get a hold of me. So until then, I'll be back in two weeks' time with another story channel from the darkness of the witching hour. So keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. I've been at a party for Saturday night. <laughs>